Welcome to Table Top 20 Minute. That's a bad start. <laughs> Let's go again. Are we rocking this time? Welcome to 20 Minute Tabletop, a podcast where each episode we share something from the gaming world that we find interesting or exciting in 20 minutes or less. We're your hosts, Kevin Tom, and for this episode, we're doing a shared love, and that love is Arkham Horror, the Living Card Game. And this is actually the second time we've recorded this because we got so bogged down in the rules of it. And I'm actually going to open this with a quote from H.P. Lovecraft, fictional writer that inspired the game from the start of the rules reference, which pretty much summarises our first attempt at recording it. The most merciful thing in the world, I think, is the inability of the human mind to correlate all its contents. H.P. Lovecraft from The Call of Cthulhu. That was it. There was just too much. And there's weekly podcasts on this game that basically have been running for many, many years. And we tried to summarise all that in 20 minutes. So I think what we'll do this time is we'll just focus on the experience, just the things about it that we love. And it's a game that we've both played quite a bit, isn't it? Yeah. With that said, just a tiny bit of context. It's essentially, it's a card game that goes on the table, but it's probably better to imagine that you're playing through a series on television in the sense that you're dropped into a world and you read the start of a story and the story might be something like you have landed in a hotel. There's a locked door in a hotel and there's been screaming behind this door. You're investigating and you start in the lobby and your first decision is, do you go left into the restaurant to try to find out more information or do you go down? There's a little trap door to the cellar and all of these locations are represented by cards. And the game is really about playing through a story. Wouldn't you agree, Kev? Yeah, so we could focus on some of the mechanics, but if you're actually to zoom out, what you are, is in a story and your character, you're not a player in the game. You take on the role of a character and that character is represented by a deck of cards. So there's this whole meta about deck building, what cards you're going to put in it, how that card's going to act with the game. And some people will real power game it and think, I'm playing this scenario. I'm going to build a deck to deal with uh, monsters that have aloof, various keyword mechanics. But I think the real joy of the game comes from enjoying the story And that comes from the moment you build your deck and you select your character, I think. Yeah, you get a real affection towards who you you choose. I I played this game once. I played the Dunwich Legacy, which is the first kind of almost like TV series of about eight to ten episodes of this story that you play. And my friends played as a a man. I've forgotten his name. And he had a dog. Oh, Duke. Duke, yeah. And at certain points in the story, you can really sacrifice and... get your dog to take damage for you. Um, But he he was so attached to this character and his relationship with his dog that it was very difficult for him to make those decisions as we were playing the game. The beauty is how well-drawn the characters are that you get to choose and how well-drawn the stories are that you play as you're experiencing the game. Yeah, and as the game's matured, we're now on many, many expansions and standalone expansions down the road. I believe the most recent expansions, it really is blocks of text. You know, you read in a story, you narrate in 10 minutes or so. But the early ones, and many of the ones we've played, you might get maybe a page of A5, a little intro to the story. But the rest of the story is almost hinted at. As a lot of it's left to your imagination, little quotes on cards, and even mechanically, the fact that 
one of the characters might be have the keyword innocent, and it means nothing to you. But you think, well, I need to keep this person protected. You know, so it kind of plays on your mind quite a lot. The game itself feels really tense from the moment you set off into the game. It starts off okay. The first few rounds, maybe you you'll say, okay, on my actions here, I've got thirty cards in my deck. I've drawn a few. Oh, I've got a torch. Now that's going to help me investigate a little bit better. So I'm going to spend some resources, get my torch down. But as you start moving through the game, you realise that all these plans that you had, you didn't anticipate what was going to happen when you walked through that door. And you're left in in quite tricky situations where you feel a, a high level of tension through the game. It's worth saying as well, isn't it? One of the the joys of this game is is that it is really, really tricky. Really, really hard. Oh, it's difficult. It's meant to represent the cosmic horror of trying to go up against something that's aeons old, tens of thousands of years old, and regards humans as ants. The odds are not stacked in your favour. You're not going to be the hero that comes and shotguns everything to death. It's going to be brutal. The whole thing, if you're prepared to live in that world and not expect to be the hero, if you go in with that anticipation, I think you'll get a lot more out of it. Because I see threads on the internet all the time of people, this is brutal, we got absolutely ruined, we lost the game. And I think the key thing with this game is you're not losing the game. You've experienced a story where the cosmic horrors won, you know, and similarly, one of the outcomes won't, I mean, you can, I think, in some stories, prevail and you'll vanquish the cosmic horrors. 99% of the time, that's not happening, but you just got to go along for the ride, haven't you? And you, I mean, we need to talk about the chaos bag because the chaos bag is the key way that the uh, the game handles chance. And there is an element of randomness to it. There's a, a literal auto-fail token. If you pull it out, you just fail that test. But you've got to ride with it. Some players will hate that. But I think if you're there for the story, it's awesome. Yeah, and the Chaos Bag is is literally a black bag, and it holds a series of tokens. You, you have to put your hand inside it, and that's one of the best bits of the game, is rustling around inside this bag. And you've decided that I need to evade this monster or... I need to investigate this room. I need to find out. I need to get uh, more tokens for investigation at this particular scenario. And you put your hand in the bag and you pull out the token and it's abject failure. And you get two more goes. And sometimes it's feeling a a life and death situation. And it's so, so stressful and so rewarding when it it plays out and works really well. And, And although there's chance, it doesn't feel... I don't know. A, a lot of games which have chance, I suppose, are unduly criticised for... Like the random element of it. You yeah. know, it's not a game of skill. It's a game of, look, well, I only lost because. Yeah. And, you know, it, and it does have that element, but at the same time, it never feels like that is at detriment to the game. No, I think even if you were more competitive and wanted to power game it, you can still blame yourself effectively if you're losing. So, for example, we played... Murder at the Excelsior Hotel last night, without giving any spoilers. This is a standalone scenario, like a one-shot campaign in in RPG speak. And I drew the autofail three times in a row, and effectively that resulted in my character dying. And that was a one in twenty chance, say, of drawing that. So a one in, you know, it's one in twenty times, one in twenty. It's a tiny, tiny chance of that happening, really. But the reason I died is because I played my deck badly. The whole concept of my deck, I was playing William Yorick, who's a grave digger and a failed actor. Brilliant theme. And and also chance for loads of comedy moments, because there's a little bit of an RPG element, isn't there? You, 
I mean, some people I'm sure will role play the whole thing and William Yorick will be talking about, you know, his failed acting career, but you hinted it and it's a, it's a laugh, isn't it? Oh yeah, it's, it's really good. And the first thing you did say after you lost was, I got myself into that situation. It wasn't the situation that killed me. I shouldn't have placed myself in that situation. Well, the whole idea with that particular deck was I built it in such a way that I had allies, so cards in my deck who are people, characters who I've taken along for the journey, which are, of course, another part of the sort of role-playing light experience. You've got these guys on the journey with you. And also, the game could have said, spend five experience points and enable two allies to be in play at any time. But it doesn't do that. You buy a card called Charisma, and it talks about how you have wooed people into your world, and now you've got extra guys to help you. So everything is thematic. And if I'd have played the deck properly, I'd have got my allies out, I'd have auto-failed, my allies had taken it, I'd be still playing. So it was my fault. See, there is this chance, and yes, the Chaos Bag is brutal, and it's a brutal game, but you can, if you if you off the mindset where you want to power game it, you can build your decks, you can maximise your odds. There's a lot you can do, and I re- there's, someone for every- there's something for everyone in that sense. Yeah, and one of the things I really like, that we and we talked about after our game, is the fact that the decisions you make in, in the first chapter of that story will sometimes come back in the third or fourth chapter. So the game will often give you options like, would you, you've found a diary? Would you like to read the information that you find in this diary and, and find out what it says? Or would you like to throw this diary in the fire? And then as a, as a group of gamers towards the end of the game, you, you've got to say, well, should we, should we read the diary? Does this sound like a sensible idea? I mean, it is the diary of a demon. This is probably a bad idea. And then you make that decision. And at the time, nothing happens. But then... Three or four games later, it will say, by the way, if you read the diary, this is what happens now. And if you didn't, so you have to make little notes between the games. But it also makes it feel quite unique in terms of the game that you will play with somebody will be very different to a a game that was played by another couple of people in a different part of the world. Yeah, and this is something that often comes up in critiques of the game is the replayability. And that's you're going to play through a story and you could be forgiven for thinking, well, I've played through the story now and potentially I've dropped a hundred plus pounds on getting the cards to play that story. Have I done it now? That was an expensive throwaway campaign. But because of this kind of fighting fantasy, choose your own adventure type mechanic, you can play it many, many times. It will be different every single time and different characters will interact in different ways, different pairs of characters. And then once you've enjoyed all the avenues of the story and let's be honest that would take playing once a week it'd take maybe a couple of months to do that then all the avenues of the power gaming comes in where you can be building decks we know what's coming up in this scenario and we lost it five times in a row let's build a deck to conquer that there's that element but again there'll be a standalone pack if you've got the budget to keep buying into the game, then there's always another adventure. You're not going to run out. Yeah, I mean, I personally, as a, personally as a gamer, I've played the first, it's called the Dunwich Legacy, and I've played it a couple of times. And I would say, in fact, I played it three times with you, Kev, when we first got the game, because you weren't a fan at first and took a while to get you into it. That my my instinct is once you've experienced that story, even though, yes, there is replayability, my want to buy another another story and you know set in a slightly different theme but also the other thing is within that story one of the levels might be set in a hotel the other one you might be 
roaming around a forest and the cards will represent different forest locations. Other times you'll be on a train and each card will be a carriage and the, the way the cards will be laid yeah, out. It's a brilliant design space, isn't it? The, the way the locations work has allowed the designers to do some really clever things. And it's not just as simple as a dungeon crawl, although it could be characterised as that. There's lots of clever spaces that they've created which are open to all kinds of ingenious scenario design. The chaos bag's important, as important, I think, is the idea of doom and the in-game clock because you're not just got, you know, five turns to finish it. Thematically, again, the story is split into an act and agenda. An act is effectively how you are influencing the story and drawing it towards your goals. And the agenda is how the mists of chaos and the eldritch whims of the old ones are pushing towards a bad end. You're playing that race against the time. It feels pressured, doesn't it? It does. And that's where the chaos bag is the most joyous part for me, because when you're pulling something out of the chaos bag, you have you essentially have only got three actions per go as a character. And one of those actions will be, I want to fight. Well, that's a chaos bag action. Or I want to evade. That's a chaos bag action. I want to investigate. That's a chaos bag action. So in all of those situations, the action could go completely wrong and you've wasted your turn. And actually, sometimes you need that thing to work. Otherwise, you know, at the end of that round, when it's the turn of all the enemy creatures to to move, to hunt, to fight, to engage you that you're in a position where you can't really do much to, to save your life. It's a fantastic, fantastic theme. And and the universe, although people might say, well, I'm not too into the, you know, I wouldn't say personally that I was into Lovecraftian universe, but when playing the game, you really do feel like you're exploring that. Yeah, the, the 1920s aesthetic is there throughout. Yeah. And it's a game, talking of aesthetic, that really rewards you, putting a bit of effort into making it an experience. So I will always put on Spotify or YouTube, Arkham Harry spooky music. You know, get the you know the the feeling of um, an unraveling horror story happening. People have candles; they'll represent the resources, not just by the resource tokens, but they'll make little polymer clay models of all the different things. It's a fantastic hobby space as well as just a game. Yeah, the, it's beautiful. All the art's really evocative. And, and what I also really like about the game is is the fact it's cooperative. So you are working with the person that you're investigating with. And you can play that in lots of different ways. Including solo. Including solo, yeah. And I, I think that one of the rules is if you're in the same room as your as your fellow adventurer, whoever they're playing as, you can help each other which is the equivalent of saying you're fighting that that monster over there. I'm going to toss you this card, which you can use to improve the chances of you pulling something out of the chaos bag that's going to help you. Whereas if you're in different parts of the building, sometimes you are just looking across the board thinking, sorry, mate, you're going to have to do it. You've been thrown to the tentacles. Yeah, and the way the balance of the characters will often work is is one of you will be highly skilled at running around, investigating, finding clues, pushing that narrative forward and the other person will be far far better at engaging all of the horrors and the hitting monsters with a baseball bat or a machete yeah and so again your particular style of gaming can be reflected by the kind of character you choose and certainly in the gaming groups that i've played 
I would say that two players is the sweet spot for this game, for me. I think so, time-wise. And even the times I've played it solitaire, then I'll play two characters at the same time. I think it that interplay and the story is so much better when there's a pair of them in it together against all the odds. It's It's a game that is rewarded by investment. I mean, it's not a simple game. It's not something I would recommend many people went out and bought. I think if you're going to go into it, you've got to be prepared to maybe at least get an expansion. In fact, the core set is effectively a glorified tutorial. And it's not until you play the Dunwich Legacy that you're really getting into it. And let alone the fact that really the game, the core set doesn't even particularly have all the things you need. Until recently, it didn't even include a chaos bag. But I would say having path markers is essential to link the locations together. Otherwise, you're doing this little mental puzzle every time you want to do anything. So there's a huge range of extra third-party accessories. And this is a bit of a plug for myself as well, because I have a business and I make many of these things. But I'd say some of them are essential. You know, Otherwise, the game will just take far, far too long. But it's a game that rewards investment, both in time and, unfortunately, money, isn't it? And, and in space, really. You, it's the kind of game where potentially you will end up with a... See, that's the other thing about the game. It appeals to the Magic the Gathering card collector or somebody that maybe as a child had their Pokemon or their Yu-Gi-Oh cards in a big plastic wallet. And you can do very much the same thing with Arkham Horror. As you buy the different cards, it allows you the the deck building before you enter a campaign. What's lovely about it as well is you, you start a campaign with a deck of 30 cards. As you do the first scenario, you get a few experience points and you upgrade. Yeah, you can say, well, actually, there's a, a level two fire extinguisher I'd like to take with me, or there's a level three card that would improve on this one. So as you go through the campaign, you feel there's some progression in the in the deck. You get excited about using your new toys that you've built up for your character over time. It is a game that I think scratches the itch of those people that used to take some joy in building a deck. There's a game before you start the game. However, it was worth saying, you don't have to do that. There are website tools like ArkhamDB, where you can actually just download people's pre-made decks. Or, in fact, you can start with the decks that are recommended in the in the manuals. They say, we'll start with this. This is fine. And they'll balance with aggressive cards and cards that heal you. It's, it's really, really a deep game. A very deep game. Something that I think you've rewards what you get it you get out what you put in for sure but i think if you're going to play it then you've got to be prepared to front up a little bit of money time thought organization headspace it's not a light game that you can just dip into but it's such a game that people love we in particular love and i think some of these things really want revisiting in a future podcast because it's a fantastic game but if there's any of this to pique your interest i would highly recommend getting into it, but not for the faint-hearted, both in theme and commitment. Oh, yeah. It has to be a game where you are very willing to just... It's a bit like playing a 1980s video game. They're just rock solid. It's a game where you have to expect that you are going to get destroyed most of the time when you're playing it, and that is absolutely fine. That's that's part of the joy of it for me. As long as you enjoy the story, I think you're enjoying the game. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. That was our little take on Arkham Horror. Like I say, it's worth checking out. Yeah, we'll definitely revisit some of those themes and mechanics in future episodes. But for now, thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.